0: we talking about this week?
1: This week, bro, we are talking about the Asian nightlife scene and how big it was during the 2000s and how there's not that much of it today. Is it potentially declining? Is it still there? And how is it coping during lockdown? We're joined by DJ Crash, DJ JP, DJ Shy Guy, Amon from Jupiter Sun and my boy Donny Brasco as they share their thoughts on about being DJs in this current lockdown climate.
0: That sounds pretty good.
1: Sounds amazing. The native immigrants are in the building.
0: Hit the music.
1: Salutations and welcome to another episode of the Native Immigrants. I'm your host, Swami Barakas, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jojo underscore B. What's going on, Jojo B? Hello. So fresh off a sex-filled show. Yeah. We're back to our normal programming this week. Do you know what? It's weird how many people loved that show. You know, the, got a great reaction from so many people that listened to it, saying it was one of our best shows. Um, yeah, us just talking about sex.
0: I think it's because you don't often get <laughs> a married couple just being really honest about uh, their sex life. Yeah, and we were.
1: I didn't even think we were that bold. You know, I no, got I got a few people saying that to us as well. Like that was really like bold, and I can't believe you know some of the things that you guys are discussing. But just
0: um, see, like that's how little. Our people talk about these things. Yeah, it's
1: true. It's true. Yeah.
0: And there's every opportunity to talk about it with your friends and your family and whatever. Mm. Like, do you mean like there's there's no need to be embarrassed about these things?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: We all came from that process. Came from as in like (laughs) as in like we were all born out of that process. Yes. And hopefully, if you were lucky, if you were involved in the process, you came as well.
1: (laughs)
2: <laughs> come on
1: i mean like you know so i the levels um <laughs> you know this is not this is not the path this show is gonna go down no front, it's not right? And right we're not
0: but we're not a children's show i mean so it's fine
1: look at all the stuff that we've covered all the serious serious but topics serious that we, we covered no it's yeah we can't talk about you know coming on a show
0: why not I mean, not this show. I think we're not Yeah, a bit, exactly. You know, like we, no one wants... To, I guess I said last week, no one wants to hear this stuff from us. No. Right? We will talk about the, the kind of... the ins and outs of life. Yes. Right? And part of that is sex.
1: It definitely a lot of in and you out know? in
0: there. <laughs> yes. But like, we're not going to talk about the actual, you know, process of having sex. Yeah, no, exactly. Because no one can. wants to hear... There's better people, but people who are better placed to talk about this you stuff. You know who are
1: better people who? for this? Porn. If you wanna see how it's all done, watch porn. All right? You know
0: No, porn is the reason that so many men have (laughs) the reason our
1: marriage is on the brink.
0: (laughs) No, but it's just the reason why so many men have such a fucked up view of sex and what to expect from it. Yeah. That and you like need to just be more realistic. Okay. Mm. All your porn viewers, male or female, just need to, you know, bring it down a notch and realize that real people have sex in a slightly different way to people who are paid a lot of money, usually, or exploited massively, one or the other, Yeah, yeah. Um, to perform sex on screen. Mm, no, well, of course, yeah, 100%. I mean, I'm sure there's, a, there's a, like, maybe there is
1: like a whole Asian porn scene that we don't know about, you know? Um, I mean,
0: I haven't got a clue. I'm sure some of our listeners probably
1: I remember, know about um, it. Mean, I can discuss it. Now. Nadia Nice was a great Asian porn star of the 90s. Great. Um, we should see we we'll find her, get her on the show. See what she's if doing she wants now to with talk to us.
0: I don't mind talking to it. Find out what it was like
1: then, you know, where the, you know, especially the stars in the 90s were when there was
0: very few porn a- stars in general. No, I'm sure there's plenty of porn stars, <laughs> but just Asian porn stars. I think there's a few yeah. more now. Yeah yeah, there, so... yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, all right. There Interesting. You go. Would you people like to hear this on a future show? Let us know and hit us up and we'll make it happen. But on this week's show, in the second half, I want to tell people right now what we're doing in the second half of the show rather than later on what are you doing nothing you're just like too busy looking at your nails and actually put some attention into your own show i'm listening to you i can multitask i'm drinking tea
0: and my nail is a bit broken and i'm listening to you and i'm waiting to respond because you always tell me that i don't let you speak
1: well i'm speaking now
0: well go for it then
1: right so the second half of this show (laughs) we're going to be talking about something that's actually very close to our hearts Mm. asian nightlife Mm -hmm. The Asian clubbing scene, which is how we met.
0: Yeah, if there had been no Asian nightlife, Jojo B, Swami Barakas would not have been a thing and the native immigrants would not now be penetrating your ears.
1: Yeah, orally. (laughs) A-U-R. A-L-L-Y. Yeah, so this um, is what we're going to discuss on the second half of the show. Uh, You know, because we obviously were around the booming period of the 2000s. Uh, The heyday
0: of the noughties.
1: The noughties, yeah. Um, And it feels like there's been a very substantial decline ever since um, in the last, say, seven to eight years. And so we'll be looking into the reasons for that and talking to some of my DJ friends. Yes. uh, Some of the best DJs in the British Asian music industry. And they're going to be talking about their experiences and what life's been like for them currently in lockdown, trying to make ends meet. Mm-hmm. You know, so this is all coming up in the second half of this show. But in the first half, let's start by plugging Jojo B on her new venture. Yeah. Which hopefully will get your support on uh, going forward.
0: Well, I mean, only if it's really relevant to you, I suppose. But otherwise, you can just support for the I sake mean, no, of no, supporting. you're listening to this if show. If you love me, you yeah,
1: Exactly. If you're a listener of this show... And a a regular listener of the show, then you obviously love Jojo B. So you will support her on this because she needs all the love for this new thing.
0: Yes. So I have started a new Instagram page.
1: Lovely. Called... That will potentially expand out. This is just the start. Just letting people know. Yeah.
0: Just Instagram for now. Because I'm not getting paid to be able to afford a website yet. (laughs) But, you know, maybe one day. Um, It's called Jojo's Gluten-Free Kitchen. And the Instagram handle is at Jojo's Kitchen.
2: All one word. Yeah, obviously.
0: And if you listen to the show, you'll know how to spell Jojo correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's all about being gluten free. Gluten free. Yeah, I just want to kind of help those people because I've had over the years, I've had lots of people come to me who have, you know, found out that they have to go gluten free for health reasons, um, and have not known where to start because it's if you walk down the supermarket aisle. There's a lot of, lot of products that cost a lot of money. Yeah.
1: Don't and, I know it.
0: Yeah. And you can go so wrong. And I have spent so much money going very, very wrong. And I've got to a point now, eight years after finding out that I need to be gluten free, um, that I, I, and I have all this experience and all these things that I've done over the years that I want to just kind of impart my uh, knowledge and my wisdom. Mm-hmm. And there'll be the occasional recipe. Yep yeah yeah of course and yeah and then just kind of lots of hints and tips and product recommendations which will not be sponsored product recommendations they will be literally the things that i have in my cupboard
1: i mean uh, unless the people from the companies of the things that you have in your cupboard are willing to pay us
0: yeah so if they're good enough (laughs) yeah and i actually want to use them and then they want to pay me as well then great but otherwise it'll just be the stuff that i actually pay for out of my pocket yes the pocket that currently has no income, mm-hmm. but lots of outgoings, <laughs> that pocket, Um, to uh, just let you know what I think is worth buying to save you guys some money.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know and as, yeah, obviously, as someone who's uh, seen this whole journey...
0: And had to taste a lot of this food that tastes like dust.
1: Yes. Uh, well, you know, like I said, we obviously have our meals together, and so... Uh, When B makes anything, it's always going to be gluten-free. So most of my diet has actually ended up being gluten-free as well. Um, So I've seen things from both sides of the track in terms of the differences in uh, tastes and textures. Um, And it's been a lot of experimentation, I guess, trying to locate the right ingredients and the right produce to give something that resembles something close to what I have in my, I wouldn't say normal wheat diet because Your everyone's normal. Glutinous. In diet. my glutinous diet, it's been it's been very different. But you know, there's some things that I really prefer. I prefer gluten-free rotis, chapatis. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to to normal rotis, chapatis, chapatis. Why are you, you call them
0: chapatis? Chapatis.
1: chapatis. I'm saying because people don't know, might not know what rotis are. Don't they? Right, Do you know fine. Mean? Fine. You know, or rotlis as my community would say. It. Yeah. So you know, so there has been so much having to try and and find new ways to incorporate non-gluten into our diets and so from our community's perspective which is very gluten-based with the amount of breads that we consume uh, there's had to be a little bit of uh, you know thinking outside the box
0: yeah and then there's also an element of just you know accepting the fact that some things will never taste the same yeah because gluten is a very important part yes. of baked goods especially mm-hmm. um so some things will never taste the same and you just have to kind of go with the best of a bad bunch or give it up
1: yeah, yeah one or the other no 100% um
0: and so i have found some pretty good alternatives that are out there yep um and i just want to kind of give my view on these things yeah um so yeah that's That's what I've I've started this week.
1: Big up. Make sure you go follow at Jojo's Kitchen on Instagram. And let's see where this leads. You know, it could mean a whole new career for Jojo B. And God knows we need the money currently. (laughs) Um, But big up on your big weight loss as well that you showed this week in your social media. Yes. yes, Uh, So got a lot of love on your Jojo B account, as well as all the work you've done with Push With Ush.
0: Yes, so I um signed up to um have some personal training from Ush in March, and didn't really expect <laughs> anything to change because I know what I'm like and I'm usually really crap at this kind of stuff, and I don't no, really no, no. stick. To- yeah, and I don't stick to things that I've tried or loads. of, You know, like Slimming World and all that crap before. And even going, you know, going to the gym and, and just never been able to stick to it. But then along came unemployment and um, lockdown. And actually, I just decided to kind of like really just throw myself into it as much as I can. Which again, with having to be a full time mum is, is not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do the exercise as much as I can. And I have been eating correctly. Ush has taught me how to eat in the right way so that I don't have to give up my chocolate or my wine yep. or the carbs that I love. Mm-hmm. Just reduce them slightly. Yeah. Um. And yeah, and I've made a bit of progress in the last six months. Yeah. I've lost a stone and a bit. Big up. And I didn't really, really believe it until, um, or like, un- like see it, until I tried on some jeans that I hadn't been able to wear since before Bob's was born.
1: Exactly, big up.
0: And, you know, they fit.
1: No, they do. And, you, you know, it's weird because... I see you every day. Yeah, and so for me, I, I it's I never think it's a noticeable change until you look at like the before and after pictures <laughs> that we that we took. You know, and you you showed a picture on there from uh, February or stroke, March and stuff time, and yeah. obviously one taken just the other day, and it's just it's so extremely noticeable. Uh, the the change is is so evident.
0: I've been on a massive journey over the last six months of not only physical well-being, but mental health. Um, I was in therapy for a big chunk of lockdown. Um, and Ush has really been great with being supportive on that side of things, as well as the kind of fitness side of things. Yep. Um, And actually exercising. Everyone bangs on about how exercise is really good for your mental health. I mean, it genuinely is. Mm, yeah. And so I've just, i kind of reaped the benefits. And I think you can tell in my face that there was a picture of me smiling but not very happy yeah. and there's a picture of me like genuinely excited about the changes that i could see yeah and and feeling a lot better yeah and not, that's not to say that i don't have shitty days because i definitely do still but they're starting the good days are starting to outweigh and outnumber the shitty days
1: yeah of course and obviously this is all work in progress as well um, you know absolutely i have so not finished yet. yeah and, that's, and like i said this what you were saying to me the other day where this is now a lifestyle and it's now a change of mindset as well. Yeah. Um, and how much of this will be incorporated into your daily life going forward forever. You know, seeing you in a much more positive light is always a great thing because no doubt you were that dark cloud over my head for a long time. And now we're both, you know, in a sense of, you know, light and joy together. Yeah. And, I, you know, I brought you into my world of positivity. So you're welcome.
0: Yes. And on a it has been hard for you. No, but you and know I know that it's been difficult to kind of see me be the way that I have been. And you, as ever, have been very supportive with a few little niggles here and there.
1: Well, you know what? Because you know I want to get the best out of you, isn't it? Do you know I mean? I'm, so I'm kind of that, the guy who's dangling the carrot in front of your face as you're running down the Sometimes
0: road. Sometimes I just want to beat you with a carrot. Yeah, it's fine. I but, mean, there's,
1: there's bigger things to beat me with.
0: But it's okay. It's okay. Most of the time the carrot works
1: okay yeah exactly
0: <laughs> sounds very wrong
1: this is yeah exactly we digress <laughs> like uh, immensely but yeah make sure you check out jojo jo b's progress on our social media and uh if you're looking for you know uh ways to get fit uh shout to push with us you know get in contact with her yeah she specializes
0: she's... in working with asian females
1: brilliant exactly
0: and um
1: massive part of our listenership
0: yeah so get in touch. She's amazing.
1: Yes, indeed. Uh, and also amazing is another friend of ours, Rita Morar. Now, we've spoken about her on numerous times on previous shows. And she's an amazing singer, amazing songwriter. And she is releasing a new project this week, which I have in my hand. Yep. Because we got sent this today because we're that good and we are in demand. So everyone wants to send us all their good shit to yes. push and promote.
0: If you would like to send us money, please do. Yeah, send us money.
1: Or if you do have musical projects, books, I've, I need to finish reading of Dutt's book. I'm on the verge of finishing it and I will put out a review for that very, very soon as well.
0: Slowest reader in the world. Slowest
1: reader in the world. So much going on in my life. Thank you so much, sorry for your patience and goodwill. Um, but also for their goodwill, Rita Mora's new project, Blossoms in Isolation. Is out this Friday, the 9th of October. Yep. And we've received the CD. Uh to say the artwork is phenomenal is uh a bit of an understatement.
0: Yeah, it's I mean it's genuinely like the some of the best artwork I've seen mm-hmm. on anything.
1: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, big up Vic Gent. If you don't know who this gentleman is, he is uh, an awesome illustrator, he's like done like not caricatures, but illustrations of like famous people with um South Asian attire and stuff like and it's just,
0: beautiful. His artwork is beautiful. Yeah.
1: It's um it's it's the kind of thing you'd want to have up on your walls. Um that I mean, level. I
0: genuinely want him to do something for our walls.
1: Uh do you want him to just paint our walls? Should we just have him to come and look see this this one wall? We want a feature wall with your shit on there for
0: Oh my god, then I would never leave this place.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's probably it would be the only thing that will keep you here as well, to yeah. be fair. Yeah. Um, so all right, Vic, I'll I'll be in touch, I guess. Um, but the artwork aside, the project we haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. We'll be listening to it in the next couple of days. The two singles that she's released so far have both been amazing, and so I'm assuming that will echo the sentiments for the for the whole project as well. Uh, it's mixed and mastered by Freezer. Freezer, what a lovely name.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: He he brings it like you know the the cold vibe to the tune. It's so chill. He's so chill. <laughs> We could go all day with this with crazy fucking puns. Um, But Blossoms in Isolation is out on Friday. So make sure you go out and support this project. Make sure you support singers and songwriters in general from the British Asian music industry. Especially
0: the independent ones who are putting this stuff out off their own back. Yes. There is no big company funding this shit. No. They are doing it because they love it.
1: Exactly. Um, and obviously, we'll be talking about why it's been, uh, you know, a tough week as such for the creative industry in general, because of something that Rishi Sunak said the other day on ITV. Uh, but that will all be part and parcel of the reason for our show this week on the second half of the show.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But lastly... Uh, something that is extremely important to both you and I on the 10th of October is World Mental Health Day.
0: It's there to highlight and to open conversation about mental health. Hmm. Um, it's still something that in society as a whole feels quite hard and taboo to talk about. Less so in the last couple of years, I think. Yeah, absolutely. But it's still very difficult for people to talk about these things um especially the people who are going through those mental health issues themselves yeah um it's hard to even own up to it yourself like it took me months and months to actually say i think there's something wrong i think i need some help yeah because you have to recognize it and then you have to have the courage to ask for the help Mm. um and so world mental health day is there to help encourage that and make it easier and make it so that people ha- know where the resources are yes so it's not you don't have to go to your mom or your dad or your partner or whoever your best friend you can just go straight to the resource that you need yeah and talk to them directly about it if you're not comfortable with talking to the people close to you yeah and i think it's a great initiative and it's it it does make a massive impact because it does let people know it does educate them and this year in particular has mm. been so unbelievably hard Mm. for so many people in lots of different ways there increases in numbers of people with anxiety the isolation there was lots of people who were stuck in lockdown on their own for months and that is very very difficult to not feel any human contact not to have any face-to-face conversation with anyone it's a very difficult thing um and it affected people's mental health in many many different ways uh the you know just being feeling so alone and this the fear of going outside I mean you actually spoke to me the other day about how I don't go out that much anymore and I think that a lot of that you know stems from what's been going on recently yeah anxiety plays a big part in that as well my anxiety stems from my pregnancy and that doesn't help things either so there's lots of lots of things and I you know I had a conversation the other day where I said that actually when I was pregnant I, a doctor suggested that I had anxiety, but then didn't offer me any resources to kind of go. And I didn't know that prenatal mental health issues were a thing because if no one tells you, you don't realize it. And so, and now it sounds daft to me that I didn't know that. But at the time I genuinely didn't know that I just thought it was all, you 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 got postnatal mental health issues, not prenatal. And actually, you know, things can happen and trauma can happen all the way through, like in any situation whether it's any illness or a pregnancy or anything and so it's just knowing and educating yourself about these issues and then knowing where to go to get the help yeah um and so i would urge anyone who has been feeling overwhelmed and even if you can't put a name to what you're feeling but you know you don't feel right Mm. um talk to someone whether that is your family or your partner or your best friend or the neighbor or someone on the phone the samaritans or yeah. you know various other resources that we will link in the in the show yeah, details just, Yeah, absolutely. um we just get in touch with someone and talk to someone because that is the it's the biggest step you'll make but it's the best step you'll take and it will be the most rewarding in the long run because as dark as it feels and I was in a very dark place at the end of last year beginning of this year and as dark as it can be there is always light at the end of the tunnel if you ask for that help
1: yeah yeah it's it's also like the you know accepting that you do need the help um, which could be the the most difficult initial step into all of this Um, and especially from people within our community uh, not only has this been a very taboo subject within our communities because it still hasn't really been fully addressed wholeheartedly. Um, we've talked about previously like with cultural issues within our community and and how you know mental health would play a massive part in that, and these things get brushed under the carpet and they never really fully get dealt with and then you know, people suffer. Um, and you know mental health is only now recently in the last few years, like you said, become something that is a whole universally accepted um within our community and there's mm. so many people suffering and who can you talk to um you know there are a number of organizations but i will highlight one um that um a friend of mine d light mc is involved in this um and it's called adar and what it does it provides support services to people experiencing mental health difficulties from our community, um, all the way since 1989. And their services are primarily focused on delivering early intervention and prevention work with individuals primarily from our communities, but not really exclusively. And they integrate a social model and a medical model and provide holistic care. Uh, They also provide advocacy, therapeutic activities, support groups, volunteering, one-to-one support work as well. Um, so they're doing a lot of stuff that's really targeting our communities because, you know, it's it's sometimes very difficult for us outside of our own, you know, our own circles to yeah. to speak to people outside of those circles because you always feel sometimes inhibited um, and sometimes it's a cultural difference and you can't really explain some of your problems. So with uh, an organization like Adar that clearly knows Um, You know, the cultural backgrounds and the things that we go through day by day, Mm. it enables that relatability process um, that much more, which may may make it a lot easier for people to talk to and relate to and communicate with. Absolutely. Um, And
0: I think it really helps to talk to someone, having had a conversation this week, and having felt how much it helped me, um, talking to someone who's been through a similar experience, mm, because it helps you it helps you feel like what you've been feeling is validated and it's not that you should get your validation from anybody else but it's also to let you know that the way that you feel should not be ignored and the way that you feel is not a unique thing to you either or quite often you know there are other people in the same situation you are not you know just making a big deal out of something you are not just not coping you obviously will need some help if you feel like you're overwhelmed by life
1: yeah yeah Um, so many people feel yeah absolutely feel that
0: and this year has been very overwhelming so i can only encourage you and plead with you and hope that you will will ask for help that you need to get
1: yeah yeah 100% Um, You can find out more information for Adar on www.adarproject.org. That's A-D-H-A-R-P-R-O-J-E-C-T. And they're also holding an event on World Mental Health Day itself. And it's a live screening of A Diary to My Son, which is a story of Saroj Patel, and it's followed by a live panel discussion, breathing, meditation, and a mindfulness session. And that's between 3 and 5.30 uh, this Saturday, 10th of October, World Mental Health Day. So make sure you check on their website for more details and find out more about this great charitable organization. Also for World Mental Health Day, I want to shout out Rikesh Johan, who is a multi-award winning British pianist and composer and he's going to be releasing a new music video production inspired by a British Asian Trust mental health case study on World Mental Health Day as well. The music video highlights the importance of mental health awareness, not just within South Asia, but amongst the South Asian diaspora in the UK as well. It's in Hindi, and it portrays a story of a young girl called Neelam, who was able to receive the crucial mental health services that she required thanks to the British Asian Trust. And this is a full BAME production team. And the music video stars BBC Young Dancer of the Year winner and NHS frontline worker Shri Savani. It's directed by award-winning director Seema Gonsai and BAFTA crew cinematographer Daniel Alexandra featuring classical vocalist Sayli Talawakar. And of course, it's produced by Rikesh
0: himself. Sounds amazing.
1: Yeah. So, this is going to be premiering on YouTube on the 10th of October, World Mental Health Day. So, make sure you go check that out as well and see an amazing production that's going to be encompassing everything that's great about our community. Yeah. Well, that's it from this half of the Native Immigrants. When we're back on the other side, we're going to be talking about the rise and the possible fall. the Asian nightlife scene. See you on the other side people. the second half of the Native Immigrants. I'm Swami Barakas.
0: And I'm Jojo B.
1: Very gleefully. Well
0: because I am and I'm happy to be Jojo B.
1: And this is a subject that we were both very happy to talk about as well. Um, Well I say happy in almost like a bittersweet way as well at the same time because we will be talking about Asian nightlife. Yes. And I guess from our perspective it's almost talking about the rise of the Asian nightlife scene. Yeah. And I'd say the fall as well. Yeah, the fall off. The fall off, maybe. Yeah, maybe Yeah, fall is a big word because that's like a dramatic, it's dead.
0: Yeah, and And it's not dead.
1: No, as long as there is youth culture in the UK, there will always be nightlife. And so there will always be opportunities to go out and basically, well, not currently, obviously, But there will be opportunities to go out and, you know, jam and socialize and drink and dance and disco. But I'd say we are very lucky people, you Mm -hmm. and I, Jojo B, because well, I'd say that we were in the right age group for the glory era of Asian nightlife.
0: Uh, I would agree actually you know um there was a like i suppose on the rise that i missed that i'm kind of gutted that i missed yeah that kind of amazing brick lane scene that there used to be
1: yeah all right so so we've talked about kind of the history of british asian music previously yeah and we've talked about how the daytime let's not talk about daytime because i think that's not that's not nightlife thing anyway um that's specifically in the daytime and that was very much like that was very much like sort of the 90s uh or the 80s i guess in the 90s and, and then there was the rise of kind of the asian dj as well the same time period so we're we're looking at more by the time we're in our adult life okay the 2000s, the 2000s. our 20s yeah because i right. missed
0: out on the good late 90s mm kind of scene yes that was uh, the, like kind of electronica scene
1: yeah of course yeah Anoka and those kind of nights, nice Talvin Singh
0: yeah all of that you know uh, but then I was around yeah for the next era of that
1: yeah of course so when you think about that sort of late 90s I guess early 2000s you had like uh, club nights going on at the gas club uh, there was the bunga room at limelight uh, in London Bagley's uh, there's nights at Zenith obviously in the 90s as well uh and obviously you had the nights uh, like we're talking about the asian underground scene nights in you know birmingham such as shanti or feng shan
0: yep i went to shanti big up uh in the noughties
1: yes lovely
0: went there within five minutes of being there fell down broke my arm
1: oh yeah this is the infamous arm break
0: story uh which <gasps> I don't know if i've ever told this before in here though Maybe fell not. down broke my arm within i mean i hadn't even taken my coat off like that's how quickly I fell down and broke wow. out because I slipped and then just stayed out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, I didn't. Soldiered it, fast It's like my arm really hurts, but I'm going to stay out and then stayed out. Even then went back, went to sleep, woke up and my arm was very swollen. Jeez didn't go to hospital until the following evening yeah i am hard as nails can i just say um and then said to the doctor it's not broken it's a bit bruised isn't it mm. my arm was blue at this point um and she was like well let's take a let's take a closer
1: inspection yeah let's
0: shit. see let's have a look at the x-ray x-ray uh, they took an x-ray and she came back and she went well it is broken <laughs> Fuck. and you should have come earlier yeah. and i was like oops and yeah I had a It wasn't a a full break. It was a fractured elbow.
1: Right, fair
3: enough.
0: But I'd already fractured that elbow before when I was a kid. So it was very painful. We
1: don't need that story. Um, I was playing
0: British Bulldog.
1: Oh, for God's sake. And
0: someone tripped me up while I was playing British Bulldog. Anyway, carry on.
1: When you're quite finished. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so we digress. Sandy was a great night, though. That's why I didn't go home. It was a great night. Uh, It was a great booming period in Birmingham for that music. But in London, there was also a massive scene, various scenes, actually. Uh, You talk about all the nights happening in Brick Lane. Uh, Shiva Sound System had a night on there. Friction had his night on there, basically in the same area. And on this side of London, we had a plethora of nights Uh, by the time it got to the mid-2000s. And that's kind of where, I guess, we kind of met during that kind of time period. Yeah, because
0: we used to be on the same circuit.
1: Yeah, the same And it, it was such a burgeoning scene, not just musically in the UK, um, and specifically, I guess, in London, but there was a real, like a camaraderie and there was a real collectiveness in terms of this is an actual scene happening right in front of our eyes
0: it was an excitement wasn't it it was really it was really fun
1: absolutely uh not just i guess for bunger in the uk uh because that was already basically you know reaching like you know fever pitch levels and stuff with some big acts happening in the uk um Mm -hmm. uh, but also for urban music asian urban music yeah um you know so from rappers and singers and There were so many nights with showcases and stuff and people can, you know, get their names heard for the first time at a lot of these nights as well at the same time. So not only was there the the clubbing aspect of it, but there was also a chance to really showcase some great talented artists as well at the same time. Uh, so we we can mention Bombay Bronx in there because that's where I guess we first met. Yeah, uh, that's where I made my name as well and met so many amazingly wonderful people that I'm still friends to to this day. Yeah, um, and it was a, a great night to not just bring you know artists uh, as well as kind of you know fans as well as followers as well as club goers as well as just people in general together. Um, but there was a real level of support amongst each other as well at the same yeah. time, you know? Um, and that's one thing I absolutely loved about Bombay Bronx. But, you know, putting the whole artists and, and that kind of scene aside, there was also nights like Candy Nights where it was just for young industry asian people working in london to go out in basically and and just yeah just socialize and mix fun candy nights is
0: always a fun night
1: fun nights it's always a
0: drunken night for me as standard yeah but it was a it was a fun night
1: yeah a hundred percent it was vip ramp as well vip ramp and this is one thing that was like we talked about previously where you were literally going out every day of the week yeah and every day there is a different night on all the way from like monday to saturday
0: yeah and there was many a week where i actually did that and i would just be by friday be dead at work yeah i'd be like no i'm going out tonight
1: I don't know. I literally don't know how we did it because we was, were
0: young. We were in our twenties. Yeah, I suppose.
1: Yeah, minimal sleep. Up the next day, off to work, and then come you back home. home.
0: Yeah, you get home at four o'clock. Get up at seven to go to work, and then do it again that night. It's yeah, amazing. Catching like you can kind of be fueled by stuff and Tinseltown milkshakes.
1: Yes, or bagel, bagels and shakes. Yeah,
0: bagels and shakes.
1: Boy bagel. Yeah, bagels is a big thing. Bagels like post-
0: and br- Brick Lane. are yeah. going to get those amazingly just made. Bagels, yes, with a massive dollop of uh, cream cheese. Oh my God, those are the days,
1: yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah, so, so it was it was some great nights out, and it, you know, if you take even um, you know, that music out the urban music out of the equation, you still had Bollywood nights happening in London, you know, you still had Kuch Kuch nights, mm. you still had uh Bombay Funkadelic, you still had Rajan Pablo's Cobden Club, which yeah. I was at a lot every month. I at never one went point. There. i
0: always wanted to go, and I never got a chance to go for some reason.
1: Just you know what it was? It, I wasn't even a massive Bollywood guy, I guess. At that time i've kind of become a much more of a bollywood guy now the older i've got it feels like yeah you know but at the time we literally went for the people yeah it was such a great community of people that were just out to have a good time yeah you know that's one thing that's kind of lost i feel sometimes when you talk about nightlife just going out to have a good time is is a, a concept that sometimes gets lost a lot of the time. You I know, think it
0: did back then as well. Like sometimes you'd go and there'd just be people who were just out for beef.
1: Yeah, I, I, yeah, exactly, <sighs> out to cause cause issues or like out to like specifically just the chirps, you know, which is all good. That's all great.
0: The chirping is fine. Being creepy and yes. touchy feely and the and like I cannot I cannot tell you the number of times because I don't know the number of times there was too many to count where you would get randomly groped by going walking to the (laughs) to the toilets or just being on the dance floor and someone just felt like they could do that to you yes so there was always like in certain nights anyway like that creepy horrible kind of vibe yeah, going on as course. well at the same time but then the music was so good at those places that you just be like right I'm just gonna deal with it because I need to go and dance and I need to dance to this specific type of music and it's gonna yeah. be a good night and if someone does that I'll just you know knee him in the balls or you'd know, like elbow him or whatever and it'll be fine yeah but That was a lot of shit that ladies had to deal with.
1: No, 100%. I definitely do not disagree with you. Um, Yeah, so there was so many clubs in and around London having kind of nights like this. and, And even if it wasn't like a regular club night, you know, some of the biggest you know, clubs in London will still have Asian nights, basically, yeah. at them, you know. So Ministry had one, obviously. Oh, yeah. You know? so, oh, my God, that was a fun night. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. So, you know, across the whole of London, um, and I guess we can speak, I guess, more from the London scene because we were both there and
0: part of it. I had just moved from Newcastle. Yeah. I was 21 and I had, this is the first time I was living away from home and I had a job, so I had some money. Yeah. Not a lot, but some. And I was on my own for the first time and having a great time. And it was this this... Amazing heyday of, of wonderful nights and gigs that used to happen as well and all yeah, sorts of stuff. There was yeah. always something every night. There was something happening, and um, some nights you just had to say, "No, I'm going to have to miss out because I need to sleep."
1: exactly, exactly. <laughs> but it was, you know what? I think the I think what what sort of I think now when you reflect and look back on it was the sheer number of different nights and especially ones where, you know, you'd see that the posters up in like Southall and Wembley and like, you know, all the Asian areas and it would be Mm -hmm. like every single Asian act would be performing at this and one And they genuinely
0: night. would be it's not like these days where someone says someone's going to perform yeah. and they haven't even told that person that artist that they're meant to be there yeah. or you know and it's just they're just doing it just to get people to turn up and then they're going to say no actually this person's not here.
1: Exactly yeah no no they that, this is everyone and I'm talking about that time period so it was like you know Rishi Rich and Jay Shaw and Juggy D yeah. you'd have Punjabi Hit Squad on Raghav. the same place. Raghav would be there you'd have uh, Kami K and his whole collective shout yeah. to my brother Kami uh you'd have like all the groups as well you'd have like you know the sahota's would be performing yes. there or, or like or DCS would be performing there yeah or like you know uh, J- I remember Jazzy B and Sukshinda Shinda and then you'd have like Aman here with his whole troupe basically turn up basically for these nights and like yeah. they were like so they'd have like the PAs as well with people performing you'd have like some sets with the DJ and dancers in front of them then you'd have like entire bands basically yeah. on stage and, and this was happening like throughout the week, every week, throughout the whole year, not just at like these kind of like club nights but at like student union nights and stuff, yeah. you know, student nights and stuff where you'd get like entire bunga groups and like artists and stuff performing and it was a mix of like not just Bhangra but you'd have like urban like you said, yeah. you'd have singers you know, um, so it, it was just a an insane time period and I look and we kind of now took it for granted because it was just like a normal thing.
0: Yeah, because that that was the world that we lived in at that point. I mean, I went to Fabric and I saw Bobby and Nihal perform at Fabric. Yeah, yeah. You know, like it was the biggest super club that London had at that yeah. point and I was there dancing to Hindi songs that Bobby Friction was playing. Yes. Like, it was insane and it was it was a good time. And yeah, we did take it for granted because we just kind of were like, well, this is us. We're here now. We've arrived.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We belong here. Yeah, we were almost spoilt for choice as well at the same time yeah. because there were so many different acts, so many different DJs. Uh, and so it was, a, it was a clamor to get all these people onto the bill mm. uh, in a way. And um, people were made superstars overnight, you know, purely from these nights and getting heard um, across. And plus there was so many crowds as well. There was like thousands of people, you know, every single week going to each yeah. of these things um you know i'm, I'm looking at it purely from an artist perspective but i was still going that to all these nights and stuff and just like being there as a fan of the music as well yeah. at the same I, time
0: the, those artists put the work in
1: yeah definitely. so
0: if you saw like rishi rich project they came up to Newcastle yeah. and then the next day they would be at some other town where there was a uni full, of, ready, <laughs> yeah, full of people crazy. who wanted to go. Like they did town by town tours and they yeah. were in a different place every day yeah, performing and they did that and that's how they made their name and, and built a fan base. Yes. And, um, you you could see that they worked hard. You could yeah, see no, that. Yeah, no, it's
1: insane. I remember, like, I was at like, a gig in? Uh, I did this gig in Southampton with Sanjay Sanj. Shout out the executive Sanjay Sanj, obviously. <laughs> um, and we were there with like Mets and Tricks and like um, and I think Do- they Dr. were there. Zeus.
0: They were everywhere, every day, all the time. Like, I, I don't understand yeah, how Mets I'm and saying. Tricks did it.
1: Yeah, because they were saying they were up like north somewhere, like just like a few hours before that, and yeah. then they were down in Southampton basically for this gig. Um, Me and the sense. same as Doctor Zeus, who was also on the bill and stuff. Do you <laughs> I mean so? And again, these were all guys were like the, on the come up. You look at Dr. Zeus or someone like that now, and obviously he's a massively established name. Yeah. You know, back then he was just a guy on the decks and stuff, just going out yeah. and about basically amongst other, you know, big DJ acts and stuff, getting making names for themselves and stuff. So it was just a, an insane time period, not just musically, but also for Asian nightlife. And now when I think about what happened to that time period, yeah, and where has it gone since? Because it's not like we've decreased in population, basically here no, in the UK. Anything but that, exactly. Um, and so, you know, I'd say in the last almost a decade, there's almost been a gradual decline. Um, not just uh, the the nightlife and and those kind of nights, but generally. As a as a scene, almost in a way, there are, there is a you know we've spoke previously on on our shows about the history of British Asian music about there's still there is still a scene out there and there's a lot of different artists as such, um uh, but where are those where are those nights? Where, if I was someone in my early twenties wanting to go out tonight to a a, a night that's going to showcase my music, my community's music, South Asian music, where do I go? Like. Obviously, we're looking for the perspective of two people that are, you know, I'm, I'm in my 40s, you're in, my, you're in your 30s. Uh, so and we have ma- no
0: intention of going clubbing anytime.
1: Yeah, absolutely not. Even um, if we could, we wouldn't. We'd probably break a hip or something just yeah. by like attempting some of the new moves and shit. Um, but just from like a, a, a generalization, looking at just kind of doing some research and, and speaking to people in that age group and stuff, I'm I'm just not seeing it you know and yeah where did it go where did it all go wrong in a way
0: it seemed like we were part of a scene that was only going to grow and yeah. was only going to get bring you know get better and more and more people will come through yeah but that and we've spoken about this so many times the 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 coming through bit never happened mm. the newer artists never managed to come through yeah and the scene in terms of producing music yeah. became less prolific it just didn't the music output just wasn't there that much anymore yeah
1: i also think um one of the other factors i guess with that also is um i guess the rise of international music scenes uh specifically canada and india mm-hmm. which um you know right now when you look at it um you know in terms of the output of music and stuff coming out from India and coming out from Canada, it's its almost surpassed, it was completely surpassed what's happening in the UK yeah. Um, in terms of popularity anyway, at least. And so, you know, whereas in the 2000s, the biggest South Asian acts in the world in terms of the kind of music we create it was here. yeah, uh, And so we it was almost the envy of the world. Now it feels like, I say Canada, India has almost surpassed that. yeah, And so, um, you know, to have people that are on your doorstep to go to gigs every single day uh, is not necessarily the same. Yeah. Um, and so, and something that we spoke about as well on that show is the people that i'm seeing now like I'll, occasionally i'll see like um well this is obviously pre-lockdown but you'll see like a flyer for a gig or some things that are happening but it's still the same acts that we we're talking about from that time period yeah with with a few kind of additional handful of new acts basically coming and through. it will
0: be like specific gigs rather than like they're appearing at a club night that happens exactly. regularly every week or every month like the ones that we used to go to these are like specific someone's hired out somewhere and they're putting on a gig and they've asked these yeah. people to come along they're, they're not they're yeah, not gigs, regular think, things where you could go out and just have a boogie if you want yeah
1: to. i think that like, have a boogie how fucking old are you <laughs> um like so i think um jive as well at the same time right? um so i think yeah so if we, like, let's put gigs aside because i think gigs will always happen there will always be gigs it yeah. may, they may not be i guess they're the same numbers but you could still go out and see your favorite acts perform you know maybe a shisha lounge or like a you know like, like a, a smaller venue. venue yeah yeah, exactly there were big venues as well to, to showcase that but it's still not as frequent as it was in that time period
0: yeah because were, quite often the club nights that we went to didn't necessarily have someone performing there was just the djs there exactly playing yeah. the music you want to listen to so you can go and have a dance and have a drink and have a good time with your mates yeah and it wasn't like you went Specifically, every week or every month to go and see someone perform. Yes. You just went to have a good time. And then sometimes they happen to have somebody performing.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And that is what I think is missing now.
1: Yeah. I think the only place you can probably have that now is probably more, I guess, at the student nights. Um, you know, for university yeah. student nights is probably the only thing that's, I guess, close enough to that. And I think Gujju
0: um, is still running. Well, it was running well, yeah, before I think, all well, of this. Happened.
1: Yeah, I think yeah, I think some of the some Bollywood nights are still, um, you know, still happening, still um, continuing on from that time period. It's probably yeah. they're probably the only real nights from that time period that are still carrying on because yeah. all the rest of these ones that we've spoken about have all subsided um you know and there's hasn't and i think what it is is there hasn't been anything to come along to replace them um and it's it's almost asking those questions why have they not been replaced um especially when there, you know there is still music out there and there are newer acts out there
0: so is there no demand for it or is there just no one supplying the night and so all these people who would demand it are just being left to dance in their living rooms?
1: Yeah, well, you know, back then it was a real, you know, like, um, I guess a collective of like, sort of organisers and, and promoters, um, and, and DJs, I guess, that used to run a lot of these nights. Mm. And, um, and I guess, ev- everyone's getting older. And but like we were talking about with the music and stuff, we're allowing the next generation to come along, mm. where is the next generation of promoter? And plus the the flip side of this is a financial thing. You know, are our communities supportive enough to put their hands in their pockets and also invest in those nights? And, you know, and and assuming that basically they're going to get some kind of revenue back from it.
0: We had the, the biggest example of the fact that that is not the case. Like some, no one will invest, especially if they're Asian.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course.
0: Good old Rishi.
1: Yes, exactly. So one of the reasons uh, for the concept for this week's show is uh, something that Rishi Sunak uh, said the other day in regards to uh, the creative arts. Um, there's it's been backtracked, and um, he's um, had sort of pushed the hand for ITV to apologise and delete their tweet. But um, he, it's something that he clearly, evidently said that you know, it's a tough period. And so we all have to almost retrain uh, to find alternative employment and stuff. And is directly speaking to the people within the creative industry. And so that is a massive slap in the face for 1000s and 1000s of creative people, creative workers, artists, musicians, that have like for someone like myself, who, for most of my career, I've been juggling, like, full time work, on top of trying to maintain and establish myself as a musical artist. And, you know, and it's been such a hard battle and so many challenges. And there's so many people out there that that work multiple occupations and to try to, um, you know, to try to support their... Their dreams, you know, of working within creative arts, whether you're wanting to be a writer or a musician and stuff. And so, you know, for it, it was just really insensitive, especially in a time period where so many people are struggling as well at the same time.
0: Yeah. And also just not offering any help to those people who have made the arts their career, those people that have entertained you in better times they have been able to entertain you so you've bought a ticket you've gone to the theater you've gone to a um i don't know a club night or you've gone to a concert or wherever the people who not only stand on the stage and entertain you the people who run those venues the people who serve you your drink Mm. the people who take your ticket who sell you your ticket all of those people are now out of work And so when you say we're not going to support or we're not able to support everyone, so maybe you should just retrain. Yeah. That means they are whole industries with very many people. It's not just the people who write the songs or act out the plays or whatever. It's the people who work. It's the sound guy. It's the lighting guy. These people who are in skilled, skilled jobs. It's the person who, like I said, serves you your drink, who's going to pull you your pint. And they're just trying to support themselves and their families and pay their bills. And then, you know, you just pull the rug out from underneath them. Yeah. By saying, well, we're not going to help you. Yeah. We're not able to help you. Get another job. Go back to school. And you're like, how can I go back to school? I've got kids to feed and I've got bills to pay. Like It's just nonsense. And so I just like you said like your heart goes out to everybody and i know people i've got friends who work in those industries yeah. and who work in those kinds of jobs and who are now really struggling yeah. to be able to look after themselves and their families and it's and to see the thing that they love doing mm. and the work and the, ho- the hard work that they've put into building careers
1: yeah
0: and to just see it go With no real thought and having come from a city like Newcastle where actually a lot of the local income is based around nightlife, people will like harp on about how they went on some like fucking stag do or hen do to Newcastle without thinking about all of those people that were there to make that stag do or hen do an amazing time for you. Yeah, yeah, There yeah. are people working in the hotels, people working in the bars, in the clubs, people checking your coats. Not that you should wear a coat when you go out in Newcastle, but like, <laughs> you know, all of those things. Yeah. there are all people that need those jobs for yeah. one reason or another to support themselves. Of course. And they're all affected by what's going on.
3: Yeah.
0: So a city like Newcastle loses masses, like, like I can't imagine like hundreds and thousands of pounds, maybe more, of revenue.
4: Yeah
0: and 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 cannot cannot function especially in a city where the industry all the other industries were killed off by the tories in the 80s and so now there's another industry that they're killing off in the north
1: yeah no yeah it's not just the north that echoes the sentiments across the whole of the uk um and you know if we think specifically amongst our communities it's pretty much non-existent uh, but we could talk about the reasons uh why it's declined um if it's even declined um and what it means now especially with all the, the the restrictions obviously that are currently taking place because of covid-19 but really this is an opportunity for us to give a voice to the people directly affected by this and and that is really the DJs yeah um you know i've like spoken about meeting so many amazing people over my time of going out and um, those nights out that we specifically spoke about, um, and gigs and met some amazingly wonderful people. And I'm lucky enough that uh, a lot of these people are friends, brothers of mine, Uh, we've been up and down the road with so many of these guys uh, with gigs and seeing them night in night out and enjoying ourselves. And they'd be on the DJ booths, they'd be like jumping around like the rest of us. And now is a really difficult time. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, this show is an opportunity for those people to get their voices heard and talk to us about their experiences from that time period when it was such a burgeoning scene to now and what life's been like for them during lockdown as well with literally no work coming in. Uh, So our first speaker today is my bro, DJ Crash. And he's going to be talking a little bit more about what life's been like for him.
5: Hey guys, it's DJ Crash here. Um, I've been DJing for wow, well over well over twenty years now. Um, and I started out when my babysitters were twelve tens because my father's business was electronics. So uh, I'd finish up school, go back to go back to his shop, and uh, chill out in the back room in the audio room where they had Technics twelve tens uh, and a DJ mixing console set up to demonstrate and I'd basically play with them after school. So I've been doing this for quite a long time. Um, I really found fame in my 20s, so in the, uh, in the 2000s when the Indian summer was alive and kicking, and um, I toured on the road with the Rishi Rich Project and I was their tour DJ for well over eight years um, and uh, did many, many wonderful things with them, as well as doing the uni crowd and uni gigs before that when the Asian gig scene in the UK was, was really, really popping. Um, Man, uh, Asian nightlife's really kind of taken a downturn. Um, And, you know, with every scene, you get a natural progression, a natural um, kind of shift um, from one kind of norm to another. But really, like, the support from uh, government, from local councils, um, from local government has really waned. And, you know, running uh, Asian-themed events or, you know, Asian um, nightlife-focused kind of nights... Um, have, you know, they, they, they've really kind of taken the focus away from that. And it's almost become like a bit of a taboo uh, subject, especially in central London where, you know, Asian nights are very, very few and far between now. Um, I mean, I remember the 2000s, um, and I'm sure that you do as well, Swami, where, you know, we'd be going out, like you could go out from a, a Tuesday to a Sunday and there'd be, you know, be an event on every, every night um you know you would see regular faces it would be you know a, a great vibe everybody was just up for having a good you know a good time and you know there was no pretentiousness around it that's kind of all changed and the last 6 to 8 months have been particularly stressful uh, for a lot of the people friends of mine uh, brothers sisters um who uh, you know have dedicated themselves to to working as a musician or as an artist full time and it's, it's, it's quite worrying um, and it's, 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 it's really, really sad to see um, people struggling because, you know, the restrictions have meant that, um, you know, A, from a lockdown perspective and now to, to, to past 10 o'clock being, you know, absolute lockdown because um, we got curfewed, um, being Asian and growing up at home, right? Um, no wonder Rishi's put that on, man. I think he probably wanted to be a DJ growing up and his his dad turned around to him and said, no better, go and get a degree and go and get a real job, right? So I think he's lashing out. But the restrictions have kind of really affected people, um, myself included, right? So now I'm no longer DJing on a weekend or a Friday or a Saturday night. I'm no longer going out to 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 clubs and, and parties and, and meeting friends and, and having a good time. I'm um, restricted to kind of, you know, live streaming from home and even with platforms like Facebook clamping down on live streaming, it's really affected my ability to be able to create and put content out there. Not just from a livelihood perspective, because I'm quite blessed. I've set my own businesses up and, you know, I've, I've kind of hedged my, my risks. So, you know, I'm, I'm one of the lucky few that are out there. But many of my friends, many of my Colleagues, the people that I work with, um, as an artist, as a musician, as a DJ, are really struggling right now. You know, we're, we're having battle meetings with, um, you know, friends of, of friends of ours who are like, "Listen, if the next six months is is going to carry on like this, like we've got to we've got to figure out what we're going to do because we just cannot survive it." And these are people who've got families, who've got children, who've got mortgages, who've got bills, and so it's 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 really really hard to look at that. And I've been trying to support as many people as I can within my circle to, to kind of highlight opportunities that they can look at um, to use their skills, um, but maybe in a different way. But not everybody else has that. And you know, from, from an artist's perspective, you get into the art form, whether you're a rapper, a singer, a DJ, a producer, you get into, into that field because it's something that you have a, a big passion for. And it's something that really kind of brings you alive and it lights you up inside. The restrictions have really affected it, man. DJs cannot go out and perform. Instrumentalists, uh, musicians cannot go out and perform in live venues. They're they not allowed to play because 10 o'clock is shut down. And, and that really means that they have no recourse to funds. They can't go out and earn a livelihood to support their families and keep a roof over their head. And that also coupled with the fact that Bai is is not supporting the entertainment industry that, you know, and there's different figures that are knocking around. Some people say 5 billion, some people say 10 billion, 50 billion pounds, you know, contributing to the UK economy, you know, vastly overlooked by the chancellor of the exchequer. Like what support is there? Like, can this whole industry go out there and retrain something that would take them a long time to do and then go and get a job? What are they supposed to do in in the meantime? Like, it's really, it's really fucking sad, man. I'm, it's, I just don't know what to say. Um, I'm, like I said, I'm one I'm of a lucky few, but there, there's, there's loads of people out there that you know, right now have, have no way of generating an income. And so my advice to you guys is look at the skills that you have. There are other people out there that would love to learn the skills that you have, um, maybe for themselves, maybe for their children, maybe because you know once the lockdowns are lifted, they would like to maybe do this on the side. And figure out a way that you can help them learn the skills uh, and also maybe make some money and create a win-win situation, whether it's running classes, whether it's running clubs, whatever it is, like figure out a way to use your skills. So not that you're performing, but you're sharing your knowledge um, because that is exactly what you have. You guys have spent, whether you're an artist, a rapper, producer, a DJ, whatever it is, right? You could play the bongos or the chimta, it doesn't really matter, right? If you're an expert at what you do and you've got passion behind you, I guarantee you, there's somebody out there that would love to learn that skill that you have, right? So, look at ways of generating other income. It's 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 a tough time, and you know my thoughts are going out to all my DJ friends, family, my brothers, my sisters. Like I said, uh, in these testing times, um, it's uh, it's a mad one. But stay safe and keep your family safe, guys.
0: Thank you to DJ Crash for that. I thought that was really interesting what he said just then about um, using the skills that you have yeah. and seeing if you can teach them to somebody or if you can create other content. Like, what can you do with a skill set that you already have?
1: Yeah, I think it's, you know, these guys have put in years and years and years into their craft into and to establish themselves, mm. you know, as some great DJs here in the UK. Not just british asian british djs yeah and so there's so many like uh, it's a problem now is where there is no chance for like youth culture there is no youth clubs and there's no kind of like you know setups basically for young people to learn a lot of this stuff currently because the government is shutting them down across the uk um but you know hopefully now there's opportunities online where you can get um you know tutorials and things you can get seen to how you can learn to be djs and things yeah. like that and i think that's like, a great way to utilize your expertise
0: like one-to-ones on zoom or like small groups on zoom and kind of teaching i don't know i'm doing these hand movements of my <laughs> and i don't You're know right. what djs do You're but they they, but they do like great things i've did i dj once in my life right. but like they do great things with beat mixing and knobs and buttons and like let them (laughs) teach you how to do that if you want to learn it because it's a really difficult thing to do. It's a proper art because I've been to some nights with some really shit DJs. This is
1: it. Like people, like not everyone can DJ, all right? I know obviously with the the rise of Serato it makes it easier to mix tracks and shit together. Real DJs know their craft on a pair of turntables and I'm sorry, like everyone's a DJ and it's all great and stuff like that. If you can't fucking put... two LPs next to each other and mix them properly between two turntables, you're not a real DJ as far as I'm concerned.
0: Look, right, you can be a snob all you want, but some people just want to learn how to do it and have a good time. Uh, so let them. They don't need to get like...
1: I'm an old school fam.
0: Yeah, but they don't need to go out afterwards and get jobs in in clubs and stuff, but they might just want to do it because they find it fun and they're passionate about music. Mm-hmm. And if that's right. the case, yeah. then can a really good DJ teach you how to do that.
1: Yes, yeah. Cuz
0: that would be awesome. Yeah. So I, that's it's a good thought.
1: No, it's it's a it's a great um, you know, piece of advice and stuff. And I think Crash is in a good place because he's established his businesses, so he's got alternative revenue. If mm. the DJ thing was not happening right now, he's absolutely set and he's, he's fine with it. But there are a lot of DJs that have struggling currently because this is their bread and butter yeah and how do they make ends meet um and one of those people is another friend of ours yeah. DJ JP, and he talks to us about his thoughts on the decline of the asian nightlife scene and also what life's been like for him during lockdown
3: Hi, my name is DJ JP and I've been uh, actively DJing in the mainstream circuit for the last 15 years or so. And um, mainly in West End of London and around um, Essex. Um, Yeah, and I play uh, pretty much everything. I'm an open format DJ. So, and I'm originally from um, New Delhi, India. And I've uh, been here in UK since 2004. The scene for Asian nightlife died down purely because all the mainstream Asian um, um, artists, they ended up um, leaving and um, going to India and setting up camp there. And the other reason is that we had too many fights breaking out at Asian events. So the councils are very wary of kind of giving the green light um, to having Asian events at mainstream clubs. So since then, you know, it's, it's really and truly been... You know on the decline and i think coronavirus never really helped us um you know that was like the last nail in the coffin the restrictions haven't really affected me it's affected the whole industry because um if the clubs are not going to open you know punters aren't going to come in punters not going to come in bills are not going to be paid so we are there is no possible way that we can actually be open um i've had a look into some alternative ways to kind of bring the income in but again um everything is linked up to everything else um in the present day economy you know restaurants whether it be restaurants whether it be bars whether it be um uh, banquet halls um yeah even even private parties you know it's all connected so we as djs are basically are our job is basically finished as as if now um until the restrictions are lifted
1: strong and emotional words there from a brother jp uh echoes again uh, the thoughts on so many djs uh, across the uk who this is their full-time income yeah you know they don't know on any other way of life and they've basically trained and studied this form of art for a number of years and managed to make a living out of it and it's completely subsided and it's with the easy. click of a finger
0: it's not easy getting a residency yeah and to have residencies on most nights of the week yes so that you can pay your bills and look after your family is a really difficult thing to do yeah and you know now these people are just out of work like yeah. jay and and various other people that we know that just don't have any income coming in it's a scary place to be
1: yeah really scary um very very sad uh but one of the interesting points that he made there talking about the reasons for the potential decline of that nightlife is uh the unfortunately the darker side of some of those nights where there would be a lot of fights yeah. breaking out um and that led to a, um, a reputation um, amongst um, lots of club nights across the UK, and they would stop having Asian nights at some of the bigger clubs, like you said there. Yeah. Um, I remember we can talk about Bombay Bronx, the very last night. There was a massive fight that broke out at the Nautilus Arts Club. Yeah. And that was the very last night. And it never came back Because since. the club
0: weren't prepared to put up with that kind of crazy behaviour. Yeah. But, I mean, like, how many nights? Most of the nights that I used to go to, yeah. there would be at least one fight.
2: Yes. Yeah. I went to
0: one club, <laughs> one club night, and there, I'm not even joking, there was, like, three or four mm. And some of the people, unfortunately, that I was with, were involved in at least two of them.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then
0: there's me standing there just going, "I just came out to have a good time." Yeah, yeah. And then you wouldn't know if someone was going to start punching someone next to you, and you'd have to kind of duck out the way or run out the club or whatever. It was just, it was that side of things is quite stressful. I found.
1: No, no, it definitely was, and it it, it completely disrupted a night out. Um, everyone was having a good time, and it got obviously ruined by. Uh, a bunch of a minority, you know, a bunch of people in there. Yeah. Um, and it would affect obviously the whole night. And then obviously, because of that, um, nights got shut down. And when this happens on a, a number of different nights, then all of a sudden it becomes a real issue. And, you know, some of the bigger clubs and councils don't put the funding in to allow these things to happen.
0: Yeah. You don't get the permit then because they just like, well, you've got history.
1: Exactly. Um,
0: Which is fair enough.
1: <laughs> no no it is but because of that it's been a massive detrimental effect on the asian nightlife scene and djs
0: but what is it about people who that they they can't just go out and have a good time it has to then be all about being extra macho it's not just the girl and not just the boys The girls get involved yeah, as well i had to break up a number of fights in my day with between like friends of mine and other go- girls who just end up getting into one just for no no reason whatsoever yeah. usually about a man but yeah. was, so sometimes just because they fancied being bitchy towards each other same with the guys yeah. and you're just like you started this night wanting to come out to have a good time yeah mostly some people do go out looking for a fight yeah yeah, yeah. and then it just like it ruins everyone's night
1: all i will say to that is like our community nights are not the only nights that that happens with
0: and yet a lot of the ones who can't go out to have a good time and stay having a good time for some reason
1: no but like this happens in, across nights out it, across the whole of the uk so why is it that like okay so i'm not i'm not condoning the actions of you know like asian boys and asian girls getting involved in fights and stuff and going out and and disrupting a night basically based on that yeah and, and nights being shut down as well based on that as well at the same time Like there are plenty of clubs across the whole of the UK where fights break out and there's like, you know, there's fucking stabbings and shit that we fucking hear about and stuff on, on the news from like nights out and someone getting involved in altercation and all this kind of stuff. Right. I don't see like whole club nights getting shut down because of it. So why was that happening to our community specifically? I don't
0: know. Maybe the frequency like we went to I well, I used to go to non-Asian club nights. Yeah. And it didn't happen as often. Unless there was a bunch of Asians there. It didn't happen as often having a whole night disrupted the way that it used to be. Mm. Because there'd be like, you know, ten guys from one side and ten guys from another side piling in and trying to like punch the shit out of each other. That didn't happen as regularly. I don't, don't remember seeing very many of those things happening. Mm, yeah, I don't know. I kind of I agree to disagree. I mean there were also like I mean there was a part of Newcastle called the big market, which I know I think has improved in recent years, but it used to be notorious for that kind of night out. Yeah. And so if you don't want that kind of night out, you just used to avoid going to that part of Newcastle but going back to that part of town.
4: Yeah.
0: But in general I never, when I was at Union, used to go out. I never really ever saw that kind of thing happening, mm. unless it was an Asian night.
1: Yeah, yeah, possibly, possibly, but because of it, it's had a massive detrimental effect on the scene as a as a whole with nightlife, and so you don't see the same like like throughput of nights basically as as you did back in those days. But we we'll look at things from an alternative perspective, as uh, my bro DJ Donny Brasco is the next speaker and he's still very active currently amongst the Asian music industry and the Mm. scene as a whole. And he talks to us about how that's been for him, including what he's been up to during lockdown.
6: Hey Swami. Hey Jojo. Thanks for having me down here. My name's Donny Brasco. You guys already know that anyway. Um, I'm a DJ. I've been DJing for, I can't even remember how long. It's too long probably as well. Started off at university, um, worked my way through, got into the industry, started doing radio, worked with, um, Sunrise Radio at BuzzAsia. I was doing the breakfast show there as well for about five odd years. Moved on to Lyca and kind of went through the paces. Um, I now currently DJ for Rackstar and Zack Knight on an international level, um, sponsored by Bel Air as one of the official black bottle renegades. We founded a portableist scratch group called the Scratch Link-Up. It's quite original with a name. We're basically a scratch crew. We meet up in parks and all jam together. On top of that, I am the co-founder of Rum and Roti, along with Priya and Jonah, uh, which is a a platform to celebrate the joining or the intersection of black and brown culture. I think from the 2000s, it was a weird time. Um, It didn't seem like we had many opportunities back early then. So what was happening, a lot of people were combining and joining together. And now I feel that there's so much to do and so much uh, diversity that um, it's kind of splitting a little bit. I think it's evolved into something different. I can't actually agree that it's died down. We may feel that the energy is different, but, you know, I've played at, at, at venues now um, where they've got like 2,000, 3,000 people in them and they've they've done massive shows. We've had tours going on. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know if I actually think it's died down. I think it's evolved differently. Of course, I cannot deny that since February, I have literally earned no money and all the money, all the deposits, I'm having to pay back because I've never wanted, I'd, I'd, I'd never want anyone to lose out. And it's going, and it's come to a point where I'm thinking, how am I going to carry on surviving? Now, that's that's the wedding and the private party sector of it. And I'm not too worried about that on a personal scale because I've never always believed that that's the epitome of a DJ. I, I, if you look at some of the DJs that we um, that we follow, like in the industry, I think people like um, Scratch Bastard um, is is massive, You know like everyone everyone as a dj follows this guy they follow him but he doesn't always do a lot of clubs like you don't see him at like you know namaste lounge on the weekend and stuff you don't see him there and then playing like and then doing this and doing that he does his own he does his own thing he makes video content i've thought as a dj when you get skilled you really want to push it more and more like someone i really look up to is palm panessa who's apache indians dj and um like when i was younger i was looking i was really looking for a brown dj that inspires me and that makes me want to push further because I thought, yeah, man, you know, there's loads of things like even me back then. But I wasn't even a good DJ. And I went out and I bought lights from Matt Plins and I was getting bookings and I was pay- I was charging people like £300 to go and play at the wedding. And people would give me this money. And I'm sitting there and they're like, oh, that was a heavy set. And I was like, bro, no, it wasn't, man. It was rubbish. Like I clanged, like that tune stopped in the middle. My CD jumped. I haven't even got a CD. It was a vinyl. So that's why it didn't work like yeah, I just, people are fickle. At the end of the day, they want to feel they're good, and there's this whole ego thing that goes on with like the wedding. So, yeah, it's it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. I kind of diverged off a little bit there, or divulged off a little bit there. Um, but it's hard. Um, you do have to look into new avenues. I've started streaming on Twitch. Shout out to shout out to DJ Menace, who's been constantly convincing me um, to get on Twitch on the Twitch Life. Um, and and at first I was skeptical because like everyone was doing the um they were doing the streams. They were doing all the streams on um on instagram and stuff and the whole thing was you're taking time out there's a lot of energy putting out to do people want to do overlays doing facebook and stuff there's a lot of energy and there's no way to kind of get anything back yeah cool people can still see your dj but that's that's not just the point so twitch has been really good because it's enabled people to kind of make money i think um i made 16 in one hour and it might sound stupid it might sound stupid but you keep doing that, and say if I do 40 hours forty hours a week, like a full-time job, at that sort of price. So $16 times 40 hours a week. Oh, God, I can't even do the maths. 16 by 40. What's that? $640 a week. Can't laugh at that. So, yeah, there are different ways out there to bring in revenue. I think from it, just... just practice on your craft and try Twitch. Oh yeah, also we got a shout out Rishi Sunak and now said everyone's got to look for other jobs. Hey man, let's be real, I don't think there's many DJs that alone are making a killing or, you know, paying a mortgage and raising up children on their thing. So if Rishi, Rishi Sunak is saying, go and find alternative income, he's only saying what our parents
1: have been saying since day one. Big up the bro, Donny Brasco for his thoughts and words there. A uh, couple of points that I don't necessarily agree with. Mm. First of all, obviously, he—I think he's talking from the perspective of gigs, um, where it's still quite burgeoning. Well, pre-lockdown, anyway, mm. um, with um, you know some of the venues with that many people, and I think gigs will always happen. I think you'll always have gigs, which uh, yeah, exactly. for artists and stuff to showcase their their talent.
0: Yeah, people um, buying tickets specifically to see an, an act or. Yeah two or three yeah
1: Yeah. but we aren't seeing those those club nights those everyday club nights that were happening six sometimes even seven days a week yeah um you know through the week through the whole year um and it just became part and parcel of our daily life yeah to know that this was the this as soon as you come back home you're up and you're out, basically. Yeah,
0: you get a spontaneous t- night nights out, and yeah, it was, because you knew that something would be on that night.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, and and you still got a chance to see acts there, and you still got a chance to see some great DJs. Yeah, and you still got still a chance to mingle. Um, and so yeah, I think um for that aspect, I I don't see it. You know, I can't physically see the same level of number. And yes, times have kind of evolved, and maybe this is the other thing. Like our our the youth of today even bothered with clubbing culture is that is that something that was our generation and it hasn't really been echoed to the next generation below us
0: i don't know maybe maybe not i if i think about i feel like i can't imagine a youth culture where you wouldn't want to go out with your mates and listen to some good music yeah and and i think that's essentially what clubbing was you just go out you listen to some good music and you dance yeah and I don't, uh, but, you know, things move on in ways that you can't imagine anyway in lots of different ways. Look at the mobile phone. You, like, you, could, you wouldn't have imagined that being so prolific
1: yeah, when yeah. we were
0: younger. It's just one of those things. So like maybe things have moved on in ways that we can't comprehend.
1: Well, I think it's more, I, I see it personally as more as the transition from club culture to bar culture. And I think more youth are going to like bars and, you know, and just having like a chilled, nice night out with a bit of music and a bit of chilling, compared to the you know the the clubbing culture that we were part of,
0: not so hedonistic. <laughs>
1: so, I think no, I think hedonism is still alive and well as long I as those young well people. they're having
0: like illegal raids now. Like I thought that's what kids do. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, illegal so, raves are still a big know. thing. So yeah, it's still. I think yeah, it's still it's still evident. I'm just not seeing. I guess enough of it. Um, like we had back then,
0: but I don't know. Like the world has changed, and everyone's on the internet, so maybe they're all just staying at home, Raven.
1: Well, just just Donny said there. You know, Twitch is a massive online portal now yeah. for DJs, and, and and it was really a chance for. Um, for DJs to get their name heard across you know obviously IG live was something that was really big during lockdown and I think Twitch has really focused specifically on the DJ and given them so much more tools and utensils and stuff to 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 get themselves heard and stuff so more and more people are on Twitch right now um, and and maybe that's the way forward now for the DJ mm-hmm. is um, but like I said it's you know, revenues are few and far between there as well. But Donny's saying it's because
0: it's new, though. Once people catch on, yeah. it might actually be much more of a revenue generator than it is. Well, at like moment. you're
1: saying, he was making at $16 an hour, which, if you think about it, equating to a full time salary is not that bad at all. Mm. So maybe that is the way forward. Um, uh, but you know, something we said about DJs not necessarily um, having full time occupations as djs to provide for their families and to you know pay their mortgages and stuff i think there are a, a lot of djs that um are in that boat jp who was a previous speaker to that is one of those people um, as is our next speaker who is aman from Jupiter Sun, uh a, a great dj combo with his brother uh that i've worked with in the past yeah and he talks about what the whole industry is like for him and how things have changed. And what his thought process is for alternative employment.
4: Hey, guys, so I'm Aman, one half of uh, Jupiter Sun Music, and we're a DJ and producer collective. So in regards to Asian nights and kind of um, them being, um, you know, very few regular club nights for Asians these days. speaking from experience and, you know, we've got a lot of background in doing events and being a promoter myself. Um, The biggest decline, in my opinion, is because of the people, really. Um, And what I mean by that is Asian nights usually mean trouble. Um, I've been in the DJ booth where I've had fights break out in front of me, um, bottles being thrown. girls getting extremely drunk, running into the DJ booth and it's usually down to alcohol and the the music that's played. Um, and unfortunately it's usually Bhangra music which causes a lot of the problems. Um, the Bhangra music is very kind of, you know, jut this, jut that, a lot of egos involved. Um, that mixed with alcohol. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't really usually end well. So, you know, on a bungra night, you're guaranteed you're guaranteed a fight. You're guaranteed to get someone getting thrown out or someone fighting over a girl. Um, I mean, it got to a point where, you know, for us to keep our nights going, we had to change the music policy. And that simply meant no bungra music because um, it just attracts the wrong crowd. So in terms of opportunities, um, yeah, COVID-19 has had a major impact on business. Um, Me and my brother, you know, being touring and wedding DJs, um, we simply can't perform. So if we can't perform, we don't get paid. Uh, We don't get paid, we can't pay our bills. So it's uh, pretty straightforward. And royalties these days, um, as as you know yourself, doesn't really pay much. Um, so you know we we do some in house audio engineering on a contract basis, which helps a little bit, but that kind of is within our skill set, so that's fine but um you know it's getting to that point where we might need to start looking at other forms of income um i don't I don't know where what we'll what we'll do I mean, it might even mean going back into retail and working at Tesco's or doing deliveries and stuff Uh, I I don't know it's it's a really tricky situation unfortunately Um, you know we do have a little bit of background in design so that we could go into an agency but again having no experience for a good number of years it's not something you can just simply walk into Um, and then even if we did get a job you know at retail or whatever um it's just not going to generate the kind of income you know I would get doing gigs um so yeah it's a really tricky situation so we'll just kind of have to see how it goes
0: thank you woman for that and again it just highlights just how difficult life is for people who made their living out of doing this and you know and having to look for Alternative forms of income, other jobs, is not as easy. I mean, even when you do have a skill set elsewhere, like Oman said, he's a designer. Yeah. But he just hasn't done it for a long time, yeah. and so when you're then out of the game for that long in terms of your other skills, yeah. Uh, it's hard to kind of catch back up because things move on and you have to learn new skills and you have to keep those skills going and if you haven't done that for a while it's really difficult then to use those to get a job
1: yeah and I think someone like Amman and again for a number of different DJs across the whole of the UK uh, they have decided to pack in their alternative income to become full-time DJs because there were Earning a real successful career as well out of it, um, yeah, Pre lockdown,
0: yeah, it was possible for them to do yeah, that.
1: Yeah, and it was, and and so it, it's, I can't overstate how much of a massive, massive impact, negative and detrimental, uh, on so many DJs across the UK uh, and people that have mortgages to pay and and families to feed, um, and so. It was hard enough to compete when there was only a small select limited number of club nights now in comparison to how it was in the 2000s. But now with literally zero happening anywhere across the UK, how are these people meant to survive? But an interesting point that he made there talking about the decline of that scene and is the music linked to the violence and the fighting, as an as a, one of the reasons why those nights subsided.
0: Inflating people's egos, you mean?
1: Well, maybe. But just like, does it instill um, that kind of aggressive youth culture? And that's what enables these things to, to stop.
0: But isn't that what people say about all types of music, or through all the years, that this type of music you know, it promotes violence, or it does mm. this, or it does that, and so like they said it about rap music, grime music, all sorts of music, but and so like and that's that why is- that's why we can't have these nights happening. Yeah, but, uh, but
1: what I'll say to that is, during that period of the 2000s, so many hip hop nights and grime nights were shut down, and some didn't even take place mm. because of that, because of the music as well, and, and not that's not just like obviously from you know uh promoters and stuff but councils and local establishments would do that and that was more of like a profiling thing i feel like a lot of the time
0: it's the bias thing isn't it it's the fear of a bunch of ethnics being in one place together yeah and listening to music that you don't understand that culture so you then think yeah. that that sounds violent or whatever i mean i do take some I do agree with some of the things that he said and there was some of the content of the songs. It's just unnecessary. Yeah. Um, But I don't think that you can blame violence on the music. On the music, no. I ab- think if you're going to be violent, not. you're going to be violent.
1: No, absolutely. And plus, obviously, something else that you touched on was um, obviously alcohol abuse. Um, and it's different, I guess, abuse is a strong word. You know, going out and getting smashed is very different to, to alcohol abuse in itself. But obviously... Drink does play a massive part in, you know, those nights out. Uh, that mixed with, you know, an aggressive attitude and stuff like that is always going to be a, a means to an end on some of these nights, yeah. unfortunately.
0: People um, drink too much or when they do drink, it switches something in them. And so, you know, parts of their personality that wouldn't normally necessarily come out, come out or those parts are kind of, that are always there, are just yeah. kind of enhanced and they become you know, because your inhibitions are lower, don't they? So you just become the worst version of yourself sometimes. And yeah, they pick fights and they start being violent. And, and it stops being about having a good time.
1: Yeah, exactly. exactly. Which is
0: what has ruined many a night.
1: No, absolutely. Um, You know, it's sad to say it was a, a generalization. But, you know, it has been a contributing factor to these nights not happening today, I feel. And obviously, as you said, being a a wedding DJ as well, as in that entire industry is completely gone. And the wedding scene DJs is a whole other episode that we could even speak about because that's a a massive industry that's taken a huge, huge hit.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, all of the paraphernalia that goes with getting married, every single little thing Hmm. has been affected. And that includes the wedding DJ because you can't have people at your wedding. You can have like fifteen people, I think it is at the moment. Yeah. And so you don't get a DJ for fifteen people.
4: Yeah.
0: Um, especially when they all have to socially distance as well. Yeah. Um and so yeah, like there's people who, you know, they might have been doing club nights here and there, but actually their bread and butter was the wedding. Exactly. Scene. they're they're finding it really difficult at the moment too.
1: Yeah, and and especially weddings amongst our communities, which are are, um, a massive money-making industry.
0: Yeah, Um, and and wedding DJs tend to make a lot of money, so you can make a living out of it.
1: And it's not just like seasonal, how it was like, you know, sort of in, in our... You know, in, in the 2000s again, you know, now weddings are taking place throughout the entire year. It's yeah. not just a summer thing. Yeah. You know, hence the reason why, you know, wedding DJs, wedding photographers, you know, caterers, you know, they're making an absolute packet, um, specifically from the British Asian community in their weddings. Generally, but yeah. at the moment. But absolutely. Yeah. You know, people are suffering and people are finding it very, very difficult. Um, and our last speaker today is DJ Shy Guy. Now, the DJs you would have heard so far today have been mostly urban and Bhangra-based. Yeah. But Shai has been involved in the Bollywood DJ circuit here in the UK as one of the founders of Bombay Funkadelic. And so he talks about what life has been like for him, what he's had to do for alternative employment, and how important the arts and culture is here in the UK.
2: Hey, this is Shai Hussain, aka DJ Shy Guy, resident DJ for Bombay Funkadelic, and do a few mixes for Asian Network from time to time. So, my relationship with the Asian nightlife industry. Um, I never really went to the daytime as when I was growing up. My first experience of it was when at uni in Manchester, and uh, going to the student nights over there, like Sensations, um, Invasion... They like to put Asian in their club night titles. It worked. Oh, and imagine, um, yeah. So that they had like bhangra, they had Bollywood, they had R and B, the Holy Trinity. Um, but I think my big sort of like swing into it was once I moved down to London mid noughties. Uh, there was a place called Bar Bollywood, and I loved that there was finally a place which just played Bollywood with little bits of. Bhangra um because Bhangra never really uh you know reached out to me being somebody who speaks Hindi um you know the whole uh big big sort of like uh Bhangra sort of um the the balance seems to be very very swayed towards Bhangra music um and I guess you know there's right now since Bollywood has been on hold since coronavirus has taken over it has all been bhangra and actually for the last 2 years bhangra has completely overtaken the scene because Bollywood is just regurgitating remixes um of older Bollywood tracks or remaking bhangra or other tracks into Bollywood so I joined the Asian nightlife industry in 2010 with Bombay Funkadelic. Uh, we found a USP there through playing mainly Bollywood music. Um, our only main competition for that was Kuch Kuch Nights and continues to be friendly rivalry. Um, but you know it's it's something that we still pride ourselves on even though we do have Bhangra specials once in a while. Um, with a few other DJs who know their Bhangra a lot better than I do. So since coronavirus hit in March um the partnership that me and my business partner Jazz had um has taken a bit of a well you know friendly sort of a division um I wasn't comfortable with taking parties forward um because I didn't want to have that responsibility of you know if there's going to be any uh Anybody who sort of, like, contracts anything, I just would not like to have that on my conscience. Um, you know, it just felt like, I don't know, it just felt as if, you know, it just wasn't a risk I wanted to take in the means to make money. But I am in, I have a comfort blanket in the size of, you know, my parents' family home in Huddersfield where I moved back to since lockdown so I don't have to worry about income. There are a lot of people in this industry who don't have that luxury of, you know, financial security and everything and they do need to keep on working um, to make (laughs) ends meet. Um, You know, the self-employment income thing has got us through the last few months but, yeah, it keeps on getting lesser and lesser and now we're being asked to retrain and look into new jobs Um, because yeah generally even if we are DJing we can't people aren't allowed to dance and you know there's lesser and lesser opportunities for that to happen and um, you know uh, bars and clubs aren't actually looking to have events that include dancing can't blame them we should be doing everything we can to stem this you know, virus going out of control. Uh, Me, personally, I'm now going, you know, going back to my uh, alternative job, which is writing scripts. I just finished my first novel. Um, I got uh, my first radio commission in, like, a decade or something, and, like, about, I'd say, two months' work of writing is making the same amount as I would have made in one night of DJing. It's depressing, but, you know, it's it's work, and it's something that I enjoy doing, and, um, it's just a matter of, you know, starting from the bottom, and then hopefully it could get to a point of writing for TV and film where that kind of thing, you know, it goes tenfold. The same way that DJing happened, you're making pennies when you first start, and then you're making dollars, um, so it's, it's yeah, it, it comes when it does. So Rupa Faruqi, she's a writer and a doctor. And she put it best when she tweeted, being a doctor saves lives, but being an artist makes lives worth living.
0: I don't think you can sum it up much better than that quote. Yeah. Um, yeah, like the arts and culture are the a living, breathing thing that makes us uh, want to be alive and to be entertained and to be entertained is a great thing and so hopefully we will come out the other side of this with an arts and culture scene still semi-intact.
1: Yeah yeah 100 percent it's taken a massive hit when we think about that scene and talk about that time period of, of the 2000s and how burgeoning the the dj culture here in the uk was and the number of djs that came out through it um, not just basically in club nights and in the nightlife but then became radio superstars tv superstars you know established household names based off of standing in front of a pair of decks and showcasing what they're all about and it was um an amazing time period a real golden era of Asian nightlife. And uh, I, I'd, you know, we've heard a lot of conversations today about how it's evolved. But I really feel like today's youth are really missing out on what was a real fundamental part of our youth culture for Asians in the UK. Mm. You know, this was part of our DNA and our makeup. Music is such a huge part of our community. And these nights out and getting a chance to hear new music and see new talent and hear new artists and faces and DJs, I think it's, it's something that's um really great about being Asian. And not having those as frequent and as in mass as they were back then, um, I just feel it's a little bit is a bit sad.
0: I'm hoping that they will create a new scene and whether that's the kind of thing that we imagine by going to nightclubs and all that kind of stuff or just in some other way but they are still they still have that kind of yearn to get new music and to hear it from a dj
1: yeah
0: because new music is like at their fingertips they can just go onto to spotify or when whatever any kind of streaming service or youtube yes. or whatever whereas we used to get introduced to music by DJs quite often yeah, yeah. and so i really hope that that demand for the dj to play that song and to make you cuz DJs have this power of making you feel good
1: yeah absolutely and
0: and i really want them to to feel that yeah um but you know the youth are are great at evolving things in positive ways mm. in new ways and yeah, things that yeah, work yeah. for them and hopefully that's what will happen
1: yeah no exactly um you know the, the advent of the internet obviously changed a lot of things for a lot of people it opened up a lot of doors as well for a number of different djs um and so it's about how we can utilize uh, the tools that we've got now to re-establish um you know a potential asian nightlife scene things always come in circles you know there's been uh, if we look at sport, you look at music, you look at TV, you look at fashion, everything comes around in cycles. So I still have that hope and desire um, that there will be another time period of great music, great nightlife, and that sort of clubbing culture uh, back here in the UK. Um, and you know, it may happen. By the time our bubs is of uh, adult age. I hope um, so,
0: for his sake, that he has the kind of good times that we had.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, Because it not only obviously helped us, you know, meet and get to know so many amazing people, but you got a chance to hear some amazing, amazing music. And it's just not the same as sitting there and listening to it on your radio or listening to it on Spotify or listening to any of these streaming services when you're standing there in the middle of the club, and you hear a new tune being dropped, one you've never heard before. And it is sick, like, and the place goes lit. There's nothing, there's no feeling like it.
0: It's all about atmosphere, creating memories.
1: Yeah, good times, good times indeed. And those were good times. Uh, And thank you for letting us talk through memory lane about our times back in those days. And I hope you'll be back next week when we'll be talking about more amazing stuff because this is what we're all about here on this podcast.
0: And our thoughts are obviously with everybody who's affected at the moment, including myself, yeah. out of work, looking for work, struggling, worrying. We're all in this together. Yes. And we will get through it.
1: We will all get through this. Positive, light and power to you all. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Native Immigrants I'm Swami Barakas.
0: And I'm Jojo B.
1: And we'll see you all next week, people. Peace.